Hi, this is Nicole Kimberling, creator of Lauren Proves Magic is Real. I'm here to welcome you to our second episode. Um, if, in case you don't know, this is a serial podcast, so the story started back in episode one. You don't necessarily have to listen to it to understand what's going on in two, but it would help. So, and it's not it's not too long, so you might as well give it a try. Um, so, without further ado, episode two. Hi. This is Lauren, and welcome to my podcast, Lauren Proves Magic is Real. Last week, I told you how magic was real in the world, and a few of you decided to leave comments. I'm going to read some right now. Some jerk named Prince of Darkness 7 says, Beware, you know not of which you speak. We who lurk in the shadows will find you and silence your infernal voice once and for all. Okay, Dwayne. If you're going to send dumb messages, you should at least do it from a different screen name than the one you sent your birthday invitations from. Also, yes, I'll be there, but I have to leave early because I'm pet-sitting for Mr. Curry and his cat gets grumpy if he doesn't get fed by five. And Love Kitten Eyes wants to know what kind of cat Special Agent Keith Curry has. He's a fluffy orange cat who's not really that friendly, but he likes me because I let him lick the butter. Justice for Elves writes, Courage, young lady, with your brave voice, we will be free finally to show ourselves and live as equals. Hmm. I think Justice for Elves must be really good-looking, like Legolots, only wearing normal pants. And finally, to touch my lucky charms, I deleted your comment because it was gross. And I'm only 12, so showing me that picture was probably illegal. Okay. Thank you so much for listening to my important messages, and keep the comments coming. Now, here's another case from the files of Special Agent Keith Curry, Supernatural Food Inspector Detective Guy. February 12th, case number 1009. I'm currently inspecting a parcel containing a suspicious sample of meat found in a restaurant in Austin, Texas. Because of my personal history, I'm not a big fan of Austin, Texas, or of mystery meat, especially not when the sample fibers are still twitching, just like these are. The sample was discovered by a member of the extra-human community inside a taco. It's approximately one inch in diameter, colored grayish-pink, and covered in green sauce that smells like chimichurri. The movement does not seem purposeful. It's more like a rhythmic twitch. It smells very weird, though the source of the odor is hard to identify over all this garlic. As per NIAD protocols, I am now testing the flesh sample for human origin. And we have a match. Definitely human. Because this flesh hunk has been separated from the rest of the human, it should be dead, but it's not. Knowing that, I will now perform the Reynolds test to determine the source of reanimation. Ah, and the test show is plain old textbook necromancy. At this point, I'm gonna file a travel plan and head to Austin to inspect the venue. February 12th, 2 p.m. local time, Austin, Texas. I'm driving to Easton Reinhold. Before leaving, I check the restaurant's website 
and I saw it was basically a hipster gastropub, upscale fast food made with locally sourced materials. The menu leads me to believe that it was started by a couple of real sensitive guys on a mission to provide wholesome food in a sustainable way. Sounds familiar? I used to have some real similar text on the menu of my own place. I still think it's pretentious. But necromancy, see that's a real, real pretentious form of conjuring. So that part checks out. The question is why? Who are they feeding this undead meat stuff to? I searched the database and I found no life form whose natural diet includes reanimated corpses. And I also found no registered extra humans working at their place. And here it is now. Just gotta find a place to park. From the outside, this place looks pretty clean. Situated mid-block, there's a long, narrow dining room. I can see an open kitchen in the way back. That surprise has been given the necromancy angle. In fact, I can see all the way through the building, the range, the fryers, some prep tables, everything down to that shiny stainless steel walk-in door. All right, here goes nothing. Hey, uh, what can I get for you? Do you have grilled cheese? Sure thing. Anything to drink? Soda's fine. I'm noticing whenever the staff goes to drop off their dirty dishes, they come back looking really scared. That skinny waitress, the girthy old prep cook, even that crazy-eyed line cook, they all seem worried, no, maybe more disgusted. There's something related to that dish room. It's the only part of the back of the house I can't see. Guess it's time to do a little impromptu investigation. Hello, I'd like to speak to the person in charge. Huh? Oh, yeah, what do you want? The PIC, who is it? <sighs> Did you hear that? It's, uh, it's just the dishwasher, and the, uh, the owners are here now. I'm Keith Curry with the Federal Department of Workplace Safety. You mean OSHA? We're all under the same umbrella. <sighs> yeah, that dishwasher does not sound all right. Wait, don't go in there. Why is this door locked? How do you even get dishes in here? Through the slot? It smells like formaldehyde. Please, don't go in there. Why, what am I gonna find? I don't know. Okay, kid, I'm gonna give you one chance to step aside. I'm a federal agent. You don't wanna obstruct me. Now where's the key to this door kept? I don't know, I, I think I need to call my manager. No, you don't. Let me tell you what's gonna happen. You're gonna hand me your cell phone, you're gonna stand over there, and I'm gonna kick this door in. Holy moly! 
I'm inside the small room now. I see a Caucasian male, around 5'9", approximately 60 years of age. He's dressed in a suit and tie, blue rubber gloves, and a yellow slop apron. He is chained to the dishwashing machine by an ankle cuff affixed to the eye bolt in the floor. He appears to be in an advanced state of decomposition. Sir, do you need my help? No! Sir, do you know that you are undead? <laughs> Sir, did you become undead voluntarily? <laughs> I'm going to assume that's a no. Upon discovering the undead dishwasher, I phoned the Magical Crimes Division. They sent a sorceress out. She took the Revenant into custody. Then we rounded up the owners of the Eastern Rhinehold. We brought them into the office. It's a hidden sub-basement of the Capitol building. I'm walking into interrogation now. Hello, gentlemen. State your full name for the tape, please. Ashton Easton. Brent Montoya Rhinehold. Three names, huh? Okay, guys. What can you tell me about the zombie slave in your dish room? First off, he's not a slave. He's my grandpa. Secondly, he had said he wanted to help us any way he could. So when we had problems finding a dishwasher, I thought of him. That's right. He said we could call him for anything. Okay, so let me get this straight. You needed a dishwasher, so instead of, say, putting an ad online, you decided to disinter your own grandpa. Raise him from the dead, chain him to the floor. That's a low and lousy thing to do to your grandpa. I mean, we just really need to keep our labor hours down right now. We finally just completed an expensive remodel to our bathroom here. Sure, it checks out. Who's the necromancer? I did the ceremony. Okay, so uh, just out of curiosity, how much did it cost you to resurrect Grandpappy? About $10 in candles. And a piece of your immortal soul if you believe in that kind of thing. You don't believe in that kind of thing? Of course not. So to recap, even though you were able to raise a guy from the dead, you still don't think that you gave up a piece of your immortal soul to whatever entity you made that deal with? Who do you think raised the dead for you? How do you think that happened? Well, Listen, uh, I would normally feel sorry for a person in your situation, but you two idiots do not seem to realize the type of trouble you are really in. All because you were too cheap to hire a dishwasher. First of all, there's the very mundane crime of corpse theft. Then there's practicing necromancy without a license. That's not a crime. Yes, it is, and shut up. Also, if we consider that a resurrected corpse is unable to give consent to work, you're also guilty of trafficking, so you're looking at some jail time. But that's the least of your problems, isn't it? You see, that entity you sold a portion of your soul to, they may come to collect. But that wasn't real, was it? Oh, I assure you it was, but there's something I can do for you. You two write out exactly what you did, sign it, I'll refer you to the mage division. You can expect to be charged the standard rate for all efforts to find and reacquire your souls.
February 14th, closing case notes. The case of the reluctant revenue. <laughs> That's a good one, babe. Thanks. I do try. But back to this zombie thing. Eventually, I discovered that this was the sixth corpse reanimated by these same guys. All for the purpose of forced labor. So that means that Mr. Montoya Reinhold, he's only one reanimation away from completely losing his soul. But that's what you get when you make a deal with a hell being. Efforts to locate the soul sections are ongoing, but pretty difficult. It turns out the hell being has already pawned them off to a forbidden plane broker at the Grand Goblin Bazaar. Mr. Montoya Reinhold is being held in a safe house. Mr. Easton, however, that guy was convicted in the Texas State Court of abuse of a corpse, and now he's serving one year in prison. Seems light to me. Grandpa Reinhold's spirit has been released and his earthly remains reinterred at Austin Memorial Park Cemetery. Are you about finished? The Great British Baking Show is about to start. Yeah, I'll be right there. One moment. Dinner time. So here, let, riddle me this. Tell me this. If you, if I baked you a scone this morning just for you, and you fed it to that pigeon, is that not you giving my love away? Oh my god. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I do everything for you. I cook, I clean, I housekeep. eating Christmas lights. Okay. How do you think I keep this body so tight? Well, that one was really disgusting, wasn't it? Kind of makes me a little worried about what might be going on in the world, though. Like, I hadn't thought about it, but this stuff is pretty scary. So all you girls who burn those candles all the time and try and put love spells on guys, maybe be more careful. Okay, this is Lauren saying I'll be back with more files just as soon as I feed this little kitty here. Say goodbye to the people, Cheeto. Lauren Proves Magic is Real was created by Nicole Kimberling and is a co-production of Tommy Jordan, Shepherd Boy Records, and Blind Eye Books. Episode 2, A Special Kind of Hell, was written by Nicole Kimberling and produced by Tommy Jordan. This episode features the voices of Jin Hale, Tommy Jordan, Ian Everyhope, Anthony Navarro, Jake Wachowski, Brendan Connor, and Spencer Reeves. Featured songs include Cantina by The Secondhand Suits, I'm on Drugs by East Coast Dave, who Am I by Moongrass, and Say That I'm Trying by Joji. Find us on Twitter at Lauren Proves It, or on SoundCloud at Blind Eye Books, or at blindeyebooks.com. 